Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to episode number eight of the Create More podcast with me, Ben Stewart. On this fortnight's podcast, I have Sue Butcher, who, uh, if you're in the architecture profession and uh, you use Twitter, I'm sure you will, you've seen her name pop up. But um, I guess the best way to describe her, she's a social media consultant. But um, I first knew her as uh, someone who live tweeted uh, like a, an event I was at doing a presentation and uh, she's kind of, yeah, so a social media Twitter expert and uh, what she, um, she goes to companies and she runs her own kind of practice uh, who help develop and teach practices and companies and uh, anyone who wants to know how to develop a social media strategy. And it's not something I've, I was particularly aware of even really a year ago. I mean, you know, who doesn't use Facebook, who doesn't use Instagram, put up images. But the idea of um, targeting and using Twitter uh, more than just to see stupid photos of food, uh, which, you know, who doesn't want to see that anyway? But I think what's been interesting, especially by doing this podcast, is uh, seeing massively the benefits of using Twitter. I mean, if you remember that the only... Literally, the only way that people know this podcast is through Twitter. And the whole podcast is us kind of think of it half as a seminar uh, about how to use Twitter and half just finding out more about Sue. She's really interesting background. And um, she's involved in, you know, so many things now. But she, um, I guess to, to a lot of people, I'm sure Twitter is a very obvious thing. But genuinely, from a business point of view, from an architectural practice point of view, or, or any small business or large business, um the idea of having a strong theme from the very beginning and kind of following that through and ensuring that you get some sort of tangible output from using Twitter because, yeah, some people see it as a massive waste of time and I spend hours playing my phone and not producing or being productive in any way. However, I am um, massively seeing the benefits of Twitter and I've I was really interested to see how how she kind of develops this with practices and the kind of attitude she takes and kind of how best to use Twitter. And, you know, we talk about if you're a small practice, you know, how how Twitter can help you. And, yeah, it's really, really interesting and something that I'm just becoming more and more aware of. And she's involved in, she's heavily involved now in BIM as well and the kind of social media integration of BIM. Um, it's a really, really good podcast. And, uh quite informative if I don't say so myself um, so if you know nothing about Twitter I uh, think it's a total waste of time I disagree uh, and this podcast will at least give you more of an insight on in how to use it um, and if you use Twitter a lot then some of this will be uh, obvious to you but uh, I hope that you get something out of it as well so I really hope you enjoy this and uh, listen to the end to see who's on episode 9 of the Create More Podcast enjoy I 
don't know why they put that switch on there. There's literally a live and off switch. And I was just wondering, why can't I see my voice coming up? Well, I've got a great half of you. Have you really? <laughs> half. Anyway, right. I'll start again. I'm very sorry about that. That's fine. I'm here with Sue Butcher. And thank you so much for coming in. No problem. And, um, I will just let people know. I did just record about two minutes and it didn't work. So I didn't flick one simple switch. But um, yeah, again, just to uh, repeat myself. But um, going back to the very beginning of how I first came in contact with you was yes. when we were at the uh, SIG presentation last year, which was uh, at the building centre. Yes. And I did a presentation about Broadgate's waterproofing and you live tweeted. Mm. And uh, again, sorry, if you mm. could just explain why, 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 why live tweet? Why not use slides, I guess, or, or just... Why not one tweet at the end that just said, here's a link mm. to to the slides that you used? Yes. Well, I, one way to explain it is that um, when I first came across the phenomenon of tweeting events, I, I came across it as an audience member who couldn't attend an event. Mm. I was running a practice in Ipswich at the time. This was about 2008. Um, I joined Twitter and I'd found out about the event about the same time. And uh, it was uh, it was an event called B2 Camp, which is B-E-2, number two, Camp, um, which is a sort of conference, which was a live streamed on the internet um, and there were several people there who were already Twitter users including the founders um, and uh, um, I wasn't able to attend because I couldn't afford to and it was my job to answer the phone anyway mm. so I didn't get permission to go into London to events <laughs> but I was able to plug in some headphones listen to the live stream which wasn't brilliant um, but also see people tweeting using a hashtag mm. um, which is a, a way of making a curated list of tweets if you send a tweet that's a short message with a hashtag in it which mm. is a word with a hash symbol in front that that symbol becomes clickable for a search for all the tweets that have that yeah. particular a hashtag in them. So if you're doing an event, you just click on, see a hashtag somewhere, click on it, and then you can see all the tweets. Yeah. So it draws people in. So that's the first thing. Is that Was that a good way to get kind of traffic to your own Twitter site, uh, Twitter page? You know, if you're live tweeting, then people are like, oh, she yes. knows quite a lot about this. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think um, I think one of the great things about Twitter is that um, it's completely opt-in. It's a very open network. Mm. People can find people they're interested in, talking about things they're interested in, um, people with common purpose or interests, and then they can follow those people. And people do that all the time. They follow and unfollow people at will. So it's a very dynamic network of interconnected people. So you do find that you're... Uh, you're constantly kind of filtering through who's on your follow list, who isn't. That's a kind of, I think that's... Well, I don't really look at it, but then, that, you know, part of the reason, I've been using it for a long time, so I, I'm, I'm no longer obsessed by who's following me. <laughs> it's more important for me, and it's, well, it's always really been important for me to um, use Twitter to have conversations with people. Mm. Um, so I use, I use search a lot because I follow, I follow uh, about 14,000 people. I'm never going to um, hear, see everything that they say. I use search a lot to find people talking about stuff um, and have conversations and then be useful in those conversations that's what I really enjoy about using it um, and I think the thing that uh, people really value if you're a Twitter user is that you've got you've got experience you've got as you said about mm. um, interpreting when you're live tweeting yeah. or live blogging an event you're interpreting what's happening you're giving a, a fragment your own yeah. perception of what's going on and um, so quite quite often when I'm at an event live blogging and because I've got my own consultancy now is something I actually get yeah. paid to do um, the event that you were at um, they're uh, the company uh, clients of mine um, and uh, okay. I'm I'm a strategic advisor for them on all sorts of digital mm. 
aspects of their work um, and particularly their communications with architects because of my own background. But I... Um, one of the things that I can do for them is um, promote their event to a wider audience. Yeah. And I guess it must be a different way for people to to engage with information now. Like, I know yes. the death of the PowerPoint, right? But mm. if it, it's obviously a much more enjoyable way to consume information when someone's, instead of 20 slides, they've got one slide and they talk and mm. you're engaging with them. And I guess uh, live tweeting and almost having conversations as the presentations go mm. in the background there's kind of like a, a ripple effect of the person presenting and then everyone kind of discusses it yes yeah and it's it's once you've done it and you've got over the idea that it's somehow disrespectful mm. because it isn't and if you if you go to a blogging conference in in silicon valley or oh, somewhere I see what you mean disrespectful sorry yeah because yeah, you, you're not some people feel that you know you're not giving the uh speaker your full attention because mm. you're tweeting and what's really interesting is you have to give them more of your attention you have to actually concentrate on yeah. what they're saying because you're then trying to translate it into something that you can type quickly go and find a link to something they've talked about and share that which I do quite a lot you know here's that document online yeah. that he's just mentioned in his talk um, and uh, so you're giving him more um, more of your own attention but of course you're drawing a lot of attention mm. to the speakers as well, which is um, something that events organisers really like. I'd not thought of it uh, as people being slightly offended by mm. you doing it. Because I obviously, um, being a massive Apple nerd, you see the keynote speeches and they're, they're you yes. know, thousands of people. Everyone's happy. Yeah, everyone with their screens glowing in front yes. of them. And yes. it's like it's like a super nerd event and everyone's like doing it. And that seems quite normal. But I can totally mm. see why maybe some people would like, Put, just put it up to them. I think but I, there's I think a generational thing yeah. as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is. I went to, because um, I work up in East Anglia. Um, I, I did for the last part of my career, the last 10 years I ran architects practices and now I still have my consultancy there. So I know a lot of people in the construction industry in that area. I, I get invited to events there, but I, 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 don't, I don't actually, if you like, none of my clients are any of those people who are based up there. So they're mm. completely different audience. They don't really know what I'm doing, but they know me. So I turned up at this event, which was about arms houses. Um, it was really interesting about the arms house movement. Um, and I sat there, I got out my iPad and I was tweeting. And um, Architecture for Humanity London started retweeting some of the things that I was saying. And I thought, that's brilliant. Yeah. You know, and, um, and then... Uh, Afterwards, it was Q and A, you know, and um, and I asked a question. I said, um, "There's been a question asked on Twitter," um, and the, and um, and someone afterwards came up to me and said, "I'm really glad you asked a question because I thought you were checking your emails." <laughs> And of course, they had no idea I was doing it because it wasn't hadn't been announced. And and of course, um, I mean, this is only about a year ago. So, but it's, they <laughs> just just never people, seen it. People who don't use like laptops and iPads just mm. looking at you, going, "How can she How do rude. it? Unbelievable! Yeah. Why did she bother coming if she's not going to pay attention?" Because it kind of uh, again, the reason that I was kind of really excited to get you in was because starting the podcast and obviously thinking, well. I've not used Twitter. I literally, I mean, I set up a make Twitter account, but mm. the, I was. Um, We'll, we'll come on to kind of uh, how uh, there's the I guess the negative side of Twitter, but mm. um, what okay. what Make have been really good is they say you know set up your Make Make Twitter account and we'll link mm -hmm. all the Twitter accounts to one big one on our internet. So I, I you know I, I ignored the email. I, I was flicking through it. I forgot about it or whatever. But I was I was away. Um, I went out for drinks and I saw like a celebrity and I like I, I got a hug and I tweeted it. And then the next morning I saw on our internet feed me out <laughs> drunk the night before. And it was luckily there was nothing bad on that Twitter image. But from that point on, it's been very much a kind of case of, OK, there's my make Twitter account. 
Well, you have a, which, uh, an uh, which, official persona like yeah, the Queen. Yeah, yeah. as an and, official and birthday. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> very conscious that that's one parallel. Yeah. And then the other one is for the podcast and create yes. more and stuff because yes. I guess I went from being at uni. I'm going full full back to why I kind of wanted the Twitter thing. Mm. Uh, being at uni. Um, and you use Facebook, right? Everyone uses Facebook. Mm. You put stupid stuff on Facebook, and then uh, you—it seemed like more of an adult thing to move on to Twitter. So I, I, I but oh. I didn't really get it. You know, I was yeah. like, "Well, Facebook's enough." And then coming to Make, I suddenly went from having never used Twitter to having mm. a professional Twitter account, which mm. anyone who searched Make could see my name and associate our internet you with the company, uh, and yeah. And I was like, I was very conscious of. Because I remember what a what, responsibility. Yeah, one of your slides was kind of um, there was lots of things, and it was kind of people uh, are almost not scared to put themselves out there, but there's kind of an apprehension that you'll say something stupid. Mm. Or, and so I wanted to use the create more Twitter handle as my mm. my own like like side personality, where I can yes. kind of experiment yes. and and do what we're doing now, which yes. is to kind of. Yes. So I understand the power of Twitter, but I really want to know. I feel like I'm literally just scratching the surface uh-huh. of it. and to get you to come in and kind of just from researching about you as well has been kind of an interesting process. But um, you're live tweeting. If we were well, I was done live tweeting, my first example of Twitter and this idea of live tweeting was um, not in the construction industry, but in a uh, television industry. If yes. you're watching telly, there's like a there's. A, Okay, I'll say it. I was watching The X Factor. Yes, and, uh, yes. on this thing, you can see tweets pop up of mm-hmm. what people are saying. And it was my first example of like oh, yes. being involved in live Yeah, they're just, the media have taken to it, of course, because yeah. they realise there's something going on there that they can capitalise on. Yeah, and obviously X Factor is such like a divisive programme. People either love it or hate it. The tweets were hilarious. It was more entertaining reading the tweets. Yes. Uh, but that was like my first <laughs> just introduction. Stop watching the programme. <laughs> yeah. So this idea of like live tweeting, I'm just getting my head around it. Like, mm-hmm. um, So I, I just... It was interesting hearing and looking back at your. We'll, we'll come on to your 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 website, which is just practicing. Mm. So, I've got most of my info, which is just practicing dot com, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yes, and uh, I've literally, I told people you're coming today, and we're talking about Twitter, and all of my questions and information mm. basically come from your website. All right. And uh, so I've gone from not very really knowing very much to, so you should go on it if you're listening. Go on just practicing dot com <laughs> because if you've not used Twitter, I thought it was. I thought it was really helpful, but it started as a blog, right? Yes, it began. It, it began as um, as a blog, as a place for me to put a list of architects on Twitter, um, and uh, because I I joined Twitter in two thousand and eight, eleventh of September two thousand and eight, because it's an auspicious date, so that's why I remember it. Um, and Twitter didn't really take off as a mainstream platform until May of two thousand and nine, which is that point when uh, Stephen Fry joined and um, and all of a sudden the users you know, beat the million. And um, and part of the reason I've got a big audience there is because I was there before mm-hmm. and I was doing useful stuff. But um, and the blog came about because I was looking for architects on Twitter. I think at the time, because it was 2008, recession, mm-hmm. um, I was thinking, I'm going to lose my job. I need to find some of the places to work. How yeah. do I find architects? Oh, I'll go and see if there are any architects on Twitter. Because a, a friend of mine who's an events organiser had um, invited me to Twitter. Um, and so I found lots of people in the construction industry, the B2 camp people. Um, and I got this list of people who who were architects um, and I was particularly interested in them Um, it was about the size of an A4 sheet of paper Um, and I uh, went on Twitter and I said well who shall I um, 
who should I give this list to? Because at the time, people were setting up directories, you know, if you want to find architects, look under architects. And, mm-hmm. and they were doing this, and uh, which I thought was, um, at the time, it was really novel. Now it just seems like, you know, stupid. <laughs> you just search, you know. Yeah. But search, at the time, search wasn't even owned by Twitter. It didn't have a search engine. It was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you, there was one, but it was owned by somebody else. People were just inventing things. So they were going along. It's like the Wild West at the beginning. Oh, yeah, Twitter, isn't yeah. It? And you think it is now. Well, <laughs> then, um, because nobody cared so much then. Um, but uh, so, and uh, a chap called Luke, actually his Twitter handle is Luke, um, who was a civil engineering student at the time, now is a civil engineer. Um, he said, well, haven't you got a blog? And I thought, oh, I don't know what a blog is. Um, and uh, and uh, the um, one of the other people, Mel Stars, who the late Mel Stars, who who used to be, who used to have a blog about um, buildings, uh, buildings. What's it called? <laughs> Um, science of building, so um, building services and uh, Briam and all the all the standards and co sustainable homes. She um, she helped me th- understand what a blog was. And um, Paul Wilkinson, um, who was another of the founders of the B two Camp um, events, uh, he he suggested a name for it because I thought I'd write a blog about why architects are so useless at running their businesses. Mm. And, um, Controversial topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, because I thought I've got to write about something and I'm not going to be one of these people who just writes about architecture. Uh, everyone writes about, oh, isn't this a nice building? And mm. this is how we did it. Well, so what? Um, the thing I've got expertise in is managing businesses yeah. that are owned by architects. Um, so I, that's what I did. And that's why it's called Just Practicing. Um, the play on the words practice yeah. to practice we're all just practicing and the funny thing is as I ended up being asked to do speaking about social media and then to become a consultant to ad- advise people on using social media um, that they are, the name just practicing sort of kept yeah. being relevant and then it sort of and um, in April it became a limited company oh, so right. it's now a real proper job yeah after four years four years of of, of, yeah being profitable it's now a a really proper job Um, and when when you say blog mm. how would you describe someone because what a blog is i genuinely think if you say blog everyone goes of course i know what a blog was and if you explain that a bit people go oh okay that wasn't exactly how i saw a blog how would you describe a blog okay well a blog is an online journal that's um uh, consists of a number of uh, regularly produced pieces of text, usually text, mm-hmm. um, that are published online in chronological order. Um, and uh, when it was originally set up, it was um, the, the coding for it. And the, um, a really good example is WordPress, mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. which is still one of the blogging platforms which you can now build websites in. Um, but it was originally just a blogging platform, open source, free to use to use um, was just designed so that you could write something and publish it really easily mm. and the latest things you published were at the top of a page which was the blog page yeah. which was the home page of your blog um, and uh, and that was the idea and the um, and this means that um, if we think back to that time there are there are technical things that are really interesting um, and then there are the how, how the idea of blog has sort of been um, misunderstood and, and thinks that it isn't. If we think about the technical thing, the code was all set up as open source code and um, and it's been around for a very long time. And because it's an important part of the internet, blogging mm-hmm. is, um, that uh, it's connected up to the internet in lots of ways. There are scrapers which go and search for information on your blog. There is RSS. What's which, a, a scraper? Is a, a, like a, a scraper is a, a bot that goes and finds text and steals text off your 
website and puts it somewhere else. Um, there are uh, there are RSS feeds, which is um, RSS stands for really simple syndication, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, essentially it's a it's a web page which is in a format that can be read by a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can take even Outlook, for example, has an RSS feed reader so you can take the feed which is a url and stick it in a reader flipbook is a reader um, and that works on rss feeds Um, and and then what that does is that you get the reader gets notified if you make new content so you don't have to go and get it it gets pushed to you Um, and that's what a great thing about a blog because people often write what's essentially a news feed call it a blog and it isn't a blog because people cannot subscribe to it um, they cannot say, I want to get the next one and the next one and the next one until yeah. I say no. Yeah. Um, and the real power of the blog is that list building quality of it. I mean, it's a commercial benefit, obviously, but it's also a community benefit because you're developing a community of interested people. So on a blog, you can subscribe to it? Yes. Yeah, okay, fair enough. That's right. And uh, some people make blogs and don't realise they've got to make that possible. Um, and the other thing you can do with blogs is that um, they're really shareable. Mm. Um, and they're um, and they're also interactive. So um, okay. unlike a newsfeed, so a company, for example, calls yeah. it a blog. It's actually um, a series of news releases. Mm. They're not inviting comment. They're not asking for people to have conversations with them. They haven't. They may not have a commenting system. Probably not. If they do, it's turned off. A blog has to be interactive. Then then it's social media. That is, um, social media is publishing. That's the media bit and com- people having conversations online, which mm. is the social bit. Um, so you need those two things. And so another real powerful thing about a blog is that every time somebody sees your blog post and puts a comment, they're putting new, fresh content onto that page, which Google really loves, of course. Yeah. So um, one of the things I do is I help people now. I help companies write real blogs um, that really drive traffic to their website. What do you mean real blogs then? As yeah. in, as the, the blogs mean... in the sense that they write content that encourages interaction, that's useful, that is searchable and shareable yeah. um, and human rather I, than I know, just that's, articles. That's probably one of the things that most architecture websites suffer from the most. They are gorgeous with the most fantastic images, but mm. they're, very, they're very static, aren't they? Yes. They don't. And you're saying to, if you want to drive traffic up to your site then you have to get people to engage In- interact that's, with it yeah so and that's where lots the benefit of different of ways yeah. taking these seriously kind of comes in is that i was i was trying i was talking today with uh with kylie who does our, our twittering here and uh she was echoing exactly what you said which was since she's come on board we do a blog and um when I hear blog, mm. again, this is going back to not fully understanding these things and just my experience is that just people write almost, you know, diary entries. Or that mm. It's kind of like an, Quite a personal thing. Yeah, very personal, very unique to that one person. Mm. But uh, And changes from day to day. Happy, sad, sports about holiday, it's about this, it's about that. There's no, yeah. there's no running central theme to it. Right, yes. And I think that's the hard thing about... Because I feel like that with my Twitter account with Played, with Create More... Um, I want it to be just about the podcast, but between the podcasts, it was always it. I felt it was an extension of my personality. That's generally mm-hmm. how I wanted it to be. So it's got holiday pictures. It's things I saw on holiday at light that I thought were nice photos. But there's no, there's no theme running through it. You know, like mm-hmm. whereas the just practicing one has a very, very, very clear direction of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And what Kylie does with our blog is when she said, "Can you write us a blog?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." I just wrote something, and she was like, "No, no, it, it needs to have." This is the theme that we're going for. It's, mm. it's about, 
I don't know exactly what you said, encouraging people to engage with these with these yes. topics and things. Yes. And and is that something that is that your role that you're saying just practicing is now your company? Is that what you help practices with to try and understand how yes. to engage people? Yes, and uh, <coughs> one of the um, you've you've described in a way there there. Are t- two types of blogging there's personal blogging um and where your personality naturally comes into it and it's the same with twitter one of the things i love about twitter is that people do reveal themselves Mm. um and it means that if you follow someone an individual on twitter and um and you talk to them or maybe just stalk them like lots of people do you get a really good idea about what they're like what their interests are what they what they care about and what they don't care about and that can really help break the ice mm. you know and uh, and I've met people that I've talked to on Twitter for a year and I'd never met them and then you meet them and they're like oh friends <laughs> they really are and that's because you've got so much to talk about because yeah. of course you already have been talking and that's why it's a great networking tool so and and blogs are great like that and I know some really good personal blogs but on the other hand um uh, what's happened with social a bit like when the internet suddenly got commercial in the 90s and it went from being grey academic text only content to being colourful full of really high res pictures that yeah. no one could download yeah. <laughs> um, and lots and lots of you know companies the dot com boom and so on the same thing has happened with um, social media now in the last few years that, that companies have got involved in it and seen that, that there's a, something commercial that they can mm. do with it but what they tend to do is say uh, well all we need to do is take the stuff we stick on our website and publish it on Twitter and it will drive loads of people to our website but it doesn't work like that because there's more and more content people are making there's plenty of noise and we as individuals don't have very much time mm-hmm. so we we'll, we can choose entirely who we talk to who we subscribe to um, and if we go to a company blog and they're not writing lots of really useful posts about how to design flat roofing for mm. example you're not going to click the thing and say i'll get the Im- the emails in my inbox every yeah. week because i don't want them because they're not consistent because i'm interested in it for this reason so when you're blogging for a commercial purpose particularly or if you want to keep the same audience who are interested in the same topic you need to think about focusing mm. you know on what you do but i think on the other hand the personality bit of it is really important because um because that human aspect makes people feel you know like they know you and that's and that's really how people you, buy um, things even as a as as your is i literally typed uh architecture mm-hmm. twitter mm-hmm. and all that came up was the architects journal Twitter account, mm-hmm. the Make Architects Twitter account. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just in my search engine, and then yeah. you, and then pretty much it was just just really? practicing stuff. Yeah, that's and uh, because you're, this is this is going to like uh, not how to get in trouble, but it, it because your whole online personality is is basically your business. Did you are you very kind of careful how you tweet, or are you, are you have you kind of you've i don't know so you've ever tweeted and something hasn't gone quite as reacted mm-hmm. quite as well as you had and you've realized actually yeah it's not great at the time but people understand if you keep the conversation going it's fine i just mm-hmm. I cuz me personally when i when doing the podcast the thing i liked about it was that i could put my personality out there but it wasn't like a live yes, interaction you could edit it yeah well i know i don't edit it but i could i could send it out there and I'd be fine with that. But then the mm. Twitter thing, like, it's such a kind of immediate thing. Yes. That you, I tweeted, I've only ever tweeted like one mildly negative thing and straight away someone responded. And I, and I just, 
I kind of was like almost like throwing it out there like <laughs> stupid whatever I, d- I didn't really want to get into a conversation about it and it was a, a very opening experience to how quick positive stuff people just maybe retweet it but negative stuff or an opinionated mm, sorry stance mm. people yeah. respond yeah yeah and I think it just I'm, I'm still trying to like learn myself why I like going on Twitter and why I like doing the podcast I, I love doing them but I haven't fully worked out I like meeting new people and finding out new stuff but I haven't, my theme is things that I'm really, really interested in, but that's not mm. really a theme to anyone else to engage with. But I, everyone that listened to it said they just really enjoyed kind of me chatting from, you know, like we are about Twitter, the very basics and kind of mm-hmm. asking you questions. But I, yeah, I just, I kind of, did you, when you joined in 2008, mm. have, do you feel like you've kind of changed massively how you use Twitter or you just kept consistent and actually just the traffic, you've just built with kind of slow consistency every year or was there a point where you're like I get it now okay I can do this this and this and it builds better or yeah that's an interesting question um I think I have I've learned from my mistakes yeah (laughs) certainly um and uh, one of the things you realize like you say you know if you don't say anything nobody's nobody you're not there basically and uh and sometimes you know take it don't use a platform like that for a weekend um and as far as everyone's concerned you're gone because you're not there because if they they don't see you unless mm. you say something so um when you do say something then there's an opportunity for them to respond um so there's that interesting dynamic um and i've so i've learned lots of things about what works and what doesn't um as far as mistakes is concerned and you know saying things you regret um, it's yeah, it's a quite a hot topic, yeah. and uh, and actually there was a, um, a recent example I blogged about on LinkedIn uh, about this barrister who had a private conversation with somebody on LinkedIn, and then she took a screenshot of it and posted it on Twitter, um, and uh, he he sort of seems to have made a um, a bungling attempt to chat her up actually and uh, she's not the sort of person who should have that done to them um, and uh, but of course she then made it public which I think is really a bad thing to do because it was a private conversation and there's this whole business about public and private going on and it's something that concerns a lot of companies about mm-hmm. how their staff use Twitter yeah. um, I, 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 um, I do I've done quite a lot both with architects and product companies doing um, a sort of CPD seminar about how not to screw up online mm. because of that, because there's this no, I think it's fascinating. need. I really do, yeah. yeah. And, um, and, and so people will make mistakes, but there is a certain element of you need to think twice before you post count to yeah. 10. Don't, don't ever tweet when you're drunk. <laughs> it is a bad idea. Um, and, uh, and, and also, of course, it is possible to delete things, um, although uh, people can take screenshots of them. Anyway, and uh, and if you to look in the press, you only need to see that somebody's taken a screenshot. The person's deleted the tweet because that sort of reduces the amount of backlash yeah. they get because it's not can't be seen as a retweet anymore. Um, and then maybe they apologise. Um, and uh, and I know you know from people who've done um, quite high profile things yeah. that you know it can be a dramatic thing. But most people it doesn't happen to at all because most people never. N- never get into the limelight like that so there's a tendency to be a bit over nervous about it my mum's an mp and she was a wow she she does quite a lot of um tweeting herself Mm -hmm. and she's this is again another thing that scares me about twitter so you can get bots that do those auto searches and i can't remember the name of them whatever they sit and we'll get to that in a bit and uh 
But she said that um, there's an actual automated thing that if you if you tweet and delete it, it will on its own channel it'll retweet the it'll hoover up your tweet and retweet your really? handle and the deleted tweet automatically and it's like a feed that loads of people subscribe to because who doesn't want to see what MPs have deleted when they've been drunk and tweeted something wow I didn't even know about that I I don't actually know what it is but now I'm thinking about it that would be a really great channel to to follow but again my mum is in that kind of sphere where they're just looking for sound bites right you have to be so careful yeah absolutely but so you do CPDs for companies Mm. that Usually they're people I'm doing some sort of strategic advice for because they, you know, I, quite often it happens that I get the marketing department ask me to come and help them use social media. Mm. Um, then we do a bit of an audit. Then they we put together a strategy for how they could use it um, and then I have to go and talk to the board. And then the board is really nervous about their staff screwing up. And yeah. then we end up doing a CPD session. Or I did a, uh, an example. I did this for an architect who... Um, we were training some of their staff in Twitter. And one of the things I would naturally do is go and have a look for all the people I can find who in some way appear to be working for the company and just see what I can find because mm. I can then use that as examples and say this is a really good example and, um, and and this probably backfired and don't do that. And I found somebody who was, um, who'd connected their Twitter account up to their Gaydar account <laughs> and their, and their uh, Swarm or their check-in account and then they checked in at work um, and it was posting on Twitter. And they didn't mention anywhere. They did mention they worked for an architect, but they didn't mention anywhere who they worked for. But it was possible just by looking <laughs> intelligently, you know. And as a result of that, we then did a CPD session for the whole yeah. staff, um, and uh, rather than talk to that person. Um, and but uh, people, you know, quite often don't think. And actually, Facebook is more of an issue for people with that because people aren't aware that they their settings on Facebook can be set up to public. And if they ever post anything public, Facebook by default will automatically post the next thing as public unless you change the setting. And they just don't go and look and see that it says, it's got a little world symbol on where you're posting your status update. And it says public. Yeah. It, turn it to friends and make sure you're only friends with people that it you just, really yeah. trust. It just terrifies me. I think like, especially being of the generation that... Uh, literally didn't have the internet when I was younger and mm. I've grown up with the internet mm. and thank god Facebook only came in when I was really in my second year of uni do you remember it was only it was only open to university accounts for that's ages, right. right yes yes and then now but even now even now I have some terrible things on Facebook but they're they're kind of they're in a world that I feel is completely closed off right mm. it's just it's mm. just it's just a little barricaded thing for my friends but it's, not. it's not I know and you know I'm not a CEO or anything but I just think like kids when they grow up are gonna they're just gonna have all their history, all their mistakes, mm. everything. I, I just kinda hope that it's it's seen as less. This kind of mm. shaming thing will be like a, a fad that is now. Yes. This idea that yes. oh, the people doing the you know, you've been terrible have nothing to hide, you know, they're they're so good. But actually mm. people just realise that a stupid photo of you doing drinking or saying something silly just doesn't hold as much weight as mm. it does right now. Mm. And I think um, I think it's very likely that it'll be like that, that there'll be a point at which these things will just be unimportant. Um, and uh, and we'll see, because it's, it's about so-called public opinion in the media, and the media talks about it because we like it at the yeah. moment. 
and um, and as soon as um, it becomes apparent that the people who are doing it are complete hypocrites because they also have the same background, yeah. everyone will just hush down, you know, and, and it will be like, you know, when you were a teenager in the 70s, you know, you just got drunk and someone took a picture of you that was drunk and they stuck it on the wall um, and it will be that sort of thing and, you know, it's just what young people do. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't think it will be as important later as it is now. Um, well, I certainly hope not, because yeah. otherwise, you know, it'll get really boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough embarrassing stories that I'm sure I could go on about. But um, one of the, uh, this again, I've learned so much just from talking to other people about having you on today. Oh, brilliant. But, um, well, that's a really good sign, isn't a it? A keyword today, Hootsuite. Never, oh, yes. Never even heard of it. Oh, but yes. It wasn't until last night that... Uh, I was looking through because you've got presentations on Just Practicing. I, honestly, yeah. if you've done anything about Twitter, I would definitely go to justpracticing.com. But yes, got... if you go to justpracticing.com forward slash Twitter, I did an article in Architects Journal years ago and I made curated together a lot of stuff about Twitter, including a slide deck called mm. To Tweet or Not to Tweet, yeah. which isn't you know completely up to date anymore because it's you know it's probably about six years old but um but yeah it's useful stuff there anyway i do i do think that um there'll be people listening to this going oh it's so obvious because but they fine you you don't need to listen to this part (laughs) the people who uh, it's just been eye-opening to me how to use twitter to genuinely benefit a practice and i was talking to one of my colleagues called justin and they were saying that um they're doing a project in oxford and it's been really beneficial using Hootsuite to mm. uh, to just find out what the kind of general, what the council and what the, um, God, I'm terrible with names as well now, uh, what the heritage uh, council or whatever. Yeah, they're, so what local organisations. Yeah. What yeah. they're all tweeting, what's kind of current at any what's given in the time. Papers, yeah. And he, he's obviously very passionate about Oxford. He's done projects there and, and he's, he, he re, like loves the city. So it's interesting... I only saw it today. Hootsuite's kind of... Well, why don't you describe what Hootsuite is? Okay. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Ho- Hootsuite is a um, piece of software it's in, in the cloud um, that you use in a browser, which allows you to um, use not just Twitter, but also other platforms. Um, and uh, I, I really use it for, um, for a listening platform. And essentially what it does is that Twitter is made up of lots of streams. There's the your home stream, which is all the people you follow and everything they say. And then there's your mentions, which is people replying to you and, and uh, doing things, your tweets. And there's a private back channel called direct messages or DMs. And there's your favourites. That's another stream. You know, you can click on a tweet and uh, on the star or the heart, depending on which app you're using, and favourite it and put that puts it in another list. And, of course, you can search. And every time you search, you make a list of tweets. So there are all these streams. And what Hootsuite does is it allows you to put a whole load of streams in a row across your screen. Mm. And um, and then, so it's useful in that sense. You can post through it. It has its own shortener for the URL, which means that it tracks um, analytics about your tweets. You can now get that through Twitter as well if you go to analytics.twitter.com when you're logged in. And, there, and it'll ask you to... Uh, buy ads don't buy the ads but the analytics is free um but um the hootsuite used to be the only place you could do that before um, uh, with the listening platform um and uh, and what it means is for example you can set up a screen of up to 10 streams which are all searches mm. so you can search for you can you can have a stream which is all the tweets from the local council you can have a search for the name of the project you can have a search for the you know part of town that it's in um and uh, and if there's a hashtag associated with some Ill issue, you can have a search for that. Um, 
You can make a list of people on Twitter who tweet about this particular topic and you can put that list in a stream. So you can make yourself a dashboard to listen in. Because I think that's what's that's, going that's, on. That's what's so great is that when you first go on Twitter, you're just there's so much information. Mm. And, and you think you've got to read it all. You've got to follow loads of people. Yeah. And then then you've got to spend hours just reading all this rubbish that they're saying. And I started with a rule. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I started with a rule that I would I'd try and tweet something every day. And then eventually I looked at the feed and I just... You had a, one of your slides had a picture of someone firing a hosepipe into sand. You know, this idea that you throw yes. information out there and it just disappears. And I just I got that feeling that I wasn't, I didn't know about hashtags, which sounds really stupid. They just popped up on my Facebook feed as hashtag holiday, hashtag sun, hashtag something. <laughs> and I couldn't work out and it was driving me mad. And then I worked out what Instagram was and what hashtags were. But now I've done hashtags as keyword searches. And now mm. I've seen how Hootsuite works. And it will just automatically filter just straight away anything with that hashtag mm. in. And now we've talked about like live blogging. I'm finally starting to understand how all the bits and pieces kind of like interlock. Mm. And it must be quite um, quite a powerful tool once you once you've got it all set up. I t- it's yes. a bit of fumbling around at the beginning. Yes, I think you need to um, you need to spend a bit of time reading the manual, if you like. And yeah. of course, we don't do that these days, which is mad. Um, but we just assume everyone knows how all this technology works. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I think it's important to have a, a plan, have yeah. a strategy. So you know, I, I usually say, well, OK, who do you want to talk to? Who's your audience? Go and listen to them. So go and find them on Twitter and use you know, other platform, other ways that you can search for people. Find them on Twitter follow them or put them in a list so that they don't know you're following them. You can do that too. And and just listen to what they're saying and what they're interested in. And then ask yourself, well, okay, what do you want those people to do? Do you want to talk to them about something in particular? Well, you can just pile in and do that. And then if you want to be a bit more mature about it, you can think, well, okay, what's my opinion? I can't fit that in 140 characters, so I need to write it down somewhere. Mm. Or I've got something I've written. Is it on the internet? Um no, all right, I need a blog. <laughs> That's where you get a blog mm-hmm. from. Blog is like sort of Twitter long form style. Um, and then um, and they go together really well. So you can say, oh, well, I, I wrote last night, I was so angry about this topic we were talking about. I wrote this thing about it on my blog. And here it is. And you can post the link back to the people you had the conversation with. And then the two things work together. But, it, you know, you need to have a plan to say, well, what do I want to happen? Mm-hmm. What do I want people to do? You know, what's my objective? Even if it's, you know, just an um, altruistic objective or it's commercial objective you need to work out what that is because then apart from anything else you can measure yeah. whether it, whether what you're doing is doing that or not um, and then if it isn't then you need to do something else because yeah. I because I, one of the things I liked what I wanted to talk about is um, while we're talking I'm thinking like oh yeah I wonder if I could do this or do that with the Twitter account and this is how make do it and this is how you do it this is how you've you've set up your own business all mm. off the back of working out how to use Twitter and <laughs> one of my friends from home she makes these like incredible I, I guess like material flowers and they're stunning but because she's in you know at home in a small a small town or city she her like market's very small mm. like friends and family but th- I'm just thinking you know it works for architects it can work for you know just using these tools to kind of self-promotion I guess is the big thing yeah and I don't know. I don't know how you first started, but does self promotion come easily to you? Because I hate. I I hate tooting my own trumpet. Yes. <laughs> but you know, like on Twitter, I guess the people who you unfollow the quickest, are the people who they're self. They're just going on about themselves all yeah, the time. It's yes. kind of like. Yes. But there's like there's 
there's there's neutral self-promotion which i guess is just pushing information backwards and forwards and then there's kind of the more annoying self-promotion mm. which is just every day if that pops up on your feed it's kind of how yes. have you found self-promoting there's kind of a fine yeah. balance right i think it's a really interesting topic and it's something that i um i've written another post about recently um i'm I'm at an advantage because I, I trained to be an architect, um, but uh, I ended up managing architects' practices. And that, um, as you probably know, um, most architects like to think they can do everything, but they, there are some things they don't like doing. And um, uh, credit control, that's one of them. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, saying no, that's another. And uh, answering the phone, um, it's in case it's a rep, and uh, uh, who you've got to say no to. Um, and, uh, and another one is marketing. Um, and uh, and they're they're all things that get put off. Um, and when I became practice manager um, originally in '97, I just started to be given all these jobs to do. I got trained up to do the financial, um, and I got asked to look at the website. Um, and so I I learnt about marketing quite a long time ago and, and did some training and so on, um, and developed an interest in it. Mm. Um, and I've always felt that um, there's a difference between um, the sort of old-fashioned forms of marketing, which are the also known as interruption marketing, which is pushing your stuff on people, yeah. you know, door-to-door salesman, very good example, um, uh, advertising on telly that you have to sort of pause, or um, we always switch over when the ads come on these days, yeah. um, and uh, you know, and print and even in web website advertising, um, all those things they all get in your way from what you're trying to do, mm. um, and then there's something, and, and there it's also known as push marketing, um, but the thing about social media is, of course, we can just decide not to have anything to do with that. You know, we get our news through feeds where we don't have to look at the adverts. We um, we choose who we follow and unfollow. Um, we have caller line identification on the phone, so we never have to pick up the phone to someone whose number we don't know. Um, and so all those forms of marketing are not working so well as they used to do. And the, the, the type of marketing that I advocate is called pool marketing. Um, which is about people opting in. So, and what happens is instead of everyone you push your stuff at doesn't want it, apart from maybe 1%, um, everybody who sees your stuff wants it because they come looking for it. Mm. And of course, we've got the internet, we've got Google, people can come looking for stuff all the time and they are looking yeah. for stuff all the time. So, um, and that means that we have to have a completely different attitude to marketing on the internet. So, um, for example, think about the example of, um, of your friend with the flowers. Mm. Um, there's a whole community of people who love beautiful things online, all sorts of different types of beautiful things mm. as well, you know, steampunk and, you know, and retro and um, and the sort of 50s feel and um, and the, the whole communities of people making and selling things on a very small scale, like Etsy is a good example of that, a website where you can do that. Um, and, uh, and it's all about beautiful things. Mm. Um, Actually, I bought the first Christmas cards I ever sent out to my clients when I set up the business were all letterpress printed in the States. And I just went looking online for stuff I was interested in, you know, something not religious, something sort of a bit natural and um, and not too sort of flouncy because I'm not a flouncy person. Um, and of course, it's really easy with the image search and stuff. And I found these beautiful cards and I got in touch with this woman in America and I bought them. And it took a long time to come and I had to pay extra VAT. Mm-hmm. But never mind. Um 
So you can, there are whole ways in which you can do that. And of course, people can opt in to finding your stuff. So you set out your store. And I I, I listened to Alistair Parvin's podcast on the way in because I, I think he's great. And yeah. so I agree with so many of the things he said. And, you know, he said the one of the first things that inspired him was The Long Tail by Chris Anderson. Yeah. Um, that TED Talk. Um, and uh, and that's, the Long Tail is about that. It's about how the mass market cannot lord it over the um, the small scale providers and the, you know the coffee shop round the corner can do as much business as Starbucks because it can have reviews and advocates online and people sharing their stuff and and you can trust it just as much as you yeah. can trust Starbucks um, and that's that's completely changed how people do business and it also means of course if people can do that with with beautiful flowers and knitting and letterpress cards they can do it with construction products and yeah. you know and they can do it with all sorts of other products and services. I like, I like the fact that um, one of the things I like about Twitter is that it's one, scary, but two, it's amazing that you can kind of see worldwide opinions in real time around mm. the world. It's it's mental how, how that happens, but it kind of means that people self-police, self-promote at a much faster rate. You know, if, if mm. people, instead of just being better than the person in the next town or city, it's like anyone who puts up an image of uh, I don't know if on Instagram a photo of something they've made the next person that's kind of the bar set and uh, people that's why I like businesses now the best businesses they're, they're focusing so much on how good their customer care is that seems mm. to be the new forefront right yes. personality and customer care right at the front I mean yes. even Argos now is like an Apple store when you go in this they're, they're super helpful and super nice because they have to put personality people don't trust yes. something if they can't find out loads about it. And, and people yes, although and I think use. Apple stores have, got, have lost that at the moment. And it's quite interesting because if you say something about Apple, apart from the non-Apple people, yeah. um, you'll often get people coming back and say, God, that customer service was terrible. And I went to buy my phone and somebody, several people walked in and walked out again. It was just before Christmas and they didn't have enough staff. And, but exactly, people know because people are aware of those things. Though, yeah. And reputations are quite easily... Um, and revealed, you know, and changed by people's actual experiences. Mm. Um, and uh, it's a funny example, actually, today. I um, I use LinkedIn a lot um, because it's a platform that everyone in the construction industry is on. Well, not everyone, but, you know, three quarters of a million people mm. out of what, one and a half to two million people, at least half. Um, and uh, and are having some trouble using their help ticket system. Um, and so I went on Twitter and I T tweeted LinkedIn help and said um, I'm having real trouble with my ticket because they've just copied out the help article that I told them that didn't answer my question and posted it back to me um, and within half an hour and of course it, this was this morning so um, so they were all in bed because they're all in the States mm -hmm. I got I got an apology and I'd already got the answer that I wanted to come back and I so thought well it came back really quickly that's odd and then I had an apology on Twitter saying we're sorry that and it's just amazing that yeah. I had a similar experience with the council I was trying to get a planning document through and they just weren't responding to any of my calls three weeks went past nothing tweeted them really disappointed within 12 hours they'd sorted yes. it I was like it is it is good yes and that's that's really good because they're probably worrying about local residents yeah. and um, you fell into their lap yeah. and they, they helped you too which is yeah so which is excellent of, this is why I I guess from an architectural point of view it's trying to you know you said you uh, you you worked at practice and you were helping them do all their marketing mm. stuff my um my uh, my wife's sister, she also works at small practice, and they're I guess they're between fifty five and sixty five. They're kind of 
they've they know exactly how they do their stuff mm-hmm. and they don't want to engage into it no. they don't want to do this they have their own clients and it's kind of that's that kind of mentality where i can see mm-hmm. well, why would i use twitter like mm. but why and she is really like she's a business manager at a bigger a bigger company has moved this place to, and she just it's that's frustrating that, yeah that's that mentality because if you this is the bit i struggle with twitter like when you explain it to someone who doesn't want to engage it's very difficult to you're like no it's brilliant why well because it, it attracts more mm. business how okay can i get a business i can get new business through it well not exactly but but you can you can mm. but we need to do a strategy and they're like mm. Yeah, like, yeah. So, give me something for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so how often? So, do you find that a lot of companies now, more, more and more, are understanding that Twitter is a fantastic tool, but it, like anything, it needs direction and guidance. Mm. And that's when is that when you come in? Is that is that how just practicing like works that they? Um, yes, it is. Although um, what's quite interesting is most of the people I work for are product companies now. And, uh, and part of the reason for that is that we, um, because of my experience managing architects' practices, having been trained to be an architect, so knowing how architects think and how they do their work is actually the best asset. That's the bit that they have outsourced marketing people. They might even have social media, but not often. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't necessarily have the understanding of how architects work, even if they have sales teams who spend their entire careers getting in or trying to get into architects' offices. Um, uh, quite often the sales team don't talk to marketing anyway. Mm-hmm. Sales don't talk to marketing. Marketing and sales don't talk to technical. You want to talk to technical and you're not allowed to. You've got to talk, you listen to marketing and and have sales come around and talk to you. Um, but you can't talk to technical. It's just completely mad. Um, so that's, that's the environment in which I do most of my work now. But I do know... Um, Little practices. Uh, I've got uh, I've got a friend who set up in practice in Suffolk, um, who used Twitter and a little website that was built him with a for him with a project diary, mm. um, and he because he quite often as is the case with a lot of small architects, um, he left the practice he was working at because he couldn't get a foothold into um, succession, mm. um, and and a lot of practices in that situation die. And yeah. I've, n- I've known people who've reached their seventies. 70s and 80s and they've had to close the practice down because they couldn't find someone to take over because actually they weren't allowed they're allowing themselves to let go it's really tragic um but because he left the firm he sat up on his own he wasn't allowed to use any of the clients he already had so he had to drum up new business Mm. um and in that situation of course he's a bit more open-minded but when he was working in the other practice he wasn't interested at all (laughs) because then it was how do you do this twitter thing but he took to it quite easily you know the the project diary meant he could talk about projects which were undergone undergoing being built rather than just wait until they're finished um and he went onto twitter he was in a new town um where he hadn't done business before and he just went and found all the people who were small business people who who were on twitter and started to talk to them and actually he was very good at talking to people in real life so Mm. he took to twitter quite easily um and he got a half million pound job within six weeks um, so is, an inquiry is, is, for is, a half million pound job. Yeah. This is engaging with suppliers and things like local businesses. When you say businesses, you yeah, know. yeah, it was people who run restaurants, people had um, cake companies, uh, you know, small business owners, mm-hmm. um, and also estate agents. Through that, he met an estate agent. He now has an arrangement with where the estate agent passes people on to him who want their houses done, and of course. Um, 
you know, and of course, all those people who've got small businesses have also got houses. Yeah. Um, and of course, you have to understand the local market and, you know, who you want to work for. But there's no reason why you can't say, well, OK, I want to work um, for people in the health sector or in housing. Let's go and have a look, mm -hmm. see if those people are on Twitter. Um, because Twitter is such an open network and people are actually quite open to having conversations with strangers. It's a brilliant way of getting into the under the radar of, of people that you want to work with without sort of having to push yourself in their face and knock on the yeah. door, you know, which is uh, rather the, disconcerting. One of the things I like about Twitter is that um, when someone follows you, instead of like, so you can have, you can have very open conversations mm. purposely to engage more and more people. Yes. But then also <clears throat> when they're following you, you can have, you can like, like we organize these, you know, kind of, you can, it's just it's slowly because if you look at create the create more podcasts as like a small practice yes. and i'm trying to win new jobs by trying to get more people to come yes. on the podcast yes. and trying to promote it i think for me personally that the whole point of the podcast is like an education thing right and it's kind of it's been really eye opening to see well one they're all free all the tools are free mm. i mean i don't have to like i haven't spent any money other than the equipment i'm using mm -hmm. uh, but if you think you know, we've got thousands of downloads now, and that's literally just through people tweeting it. There's yes. nothing and word of mouth, but I yes. can't. If I've on, on Acast, which is the website I use, it gives you a world map of everyone oh, yes. that's done it. And I, I, the one of the podcasters is Scroobius Pip, who's like a hip hop artist mm. and, and, and a podcaster as well. And I got to know him, and he tweeted it, and he's got 100,000 Twitter followers. Mm. And it was amazing watching this kind of spider leap across this map and like there's people in like Canada, North America, yes. Poland, yes. Iceland, Australia and it was Isn't like it great? It's, it's amazing. And it's free. Yeah and it was all free. I didn't pay anything and yeah I get the odd Pizza Hut advert at the beginning of my podcast yeah. which is really annoying but um, <laughs> but again that that's free and then the way you've just described Twitter is it's your own personal investment of time and yes. I think I still haven't fully understood how to be most efficient with that you know like yes. you would you you're very good at the live tweeting brings more people and you have conversations yes. but it, it must take does it how much how many hours a day or are you quite good at well if i do well i do um <clears throat> if i do uh live tweeting live blogging at an event which might be a half day event mm. or uh, a full day event um it usually takes me about a day's time in advance to prepare because we set up a page for it. Um, you have to talk to the team who are organising the event and make sure they're, you know, they've decided they were going to use a hashtag and don't use a different one, which has happened. Mm, um, and sort of get all those logistics sorted out at the beginning, set up the page ready in advance. Um, and then there's a sort of bit of a follow up as well. Um, but it is extremely draining to do because it's quite labour intensive on the day. Okay. So I have to take the next day off because I'm completely useless. I'm a zombie. Um, so and and I imagine with you you'll find if you put a lot of effort into something like this afterwards you need to wind down, down time as well yeah. but then the thing the important thing about what you've realized with your uh with your podcast is that um social media is the media as well as the social mm. so you can have the conversations but if you don't make stuff people can't talk about it you have to make something mm. for people to talk about and that's actually where the effort goes in um and it's the thing that people miss 
Um, quite interestingly, there, there are lots and lots of people who are individuals just chatting to each other on Twitter and going, well, why aren't I getting what I want out of this? And then there are lots and lots of companies who are making stuff and they're not making the right sort of stuff. They're not making useful stuff. They're, it's not it's not designed for their per, their audience. It's not presented in the right way. You know, they're ma- making th- five minute videos when they should be making half minute videos yeah. or whatever. Um, and uh and they're doing all of that and they're just broadcasting as if that they were ITN, you know, and, uh, and they're not having any conversation. So you've got one one sort of media yeah. obsessed and one social obsessed. And actually, you need those two things together because then then you can say um, you can go li- looking for people who are talking about the topic that your pop- podcast mm. is about. You can join the conversation and you can say we did a podcast about that last week. Um, and uh, and if you want to, people to talk about something else, you can you know write articles mm. and write papers and blog posts and and make videos and stuff. And it's actually making the stuff and doing that right and doing it efficiently and then sharing it in the right way that yeah. isn't that isn't just broadcasting. Shouting in a bucket. That's yeah. what I got it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we're coming up to the hour mark, so I'll slowly mm-hmm. wrap this up. But um, what I wanted to finish on was, um, I guess giving out free content this is one mm. of the things that uh, on the Alistair Parvin one I, yes. I quite clearly struggle with the idea of giving something away for free when you don't charge for it and then I don't know why but I do that with the podcast but um, <laughs> I, I've just put in here I put sharing information for free is kind of one yes. of my notes and it was because there is a huge amount of stuff on your website videos that obviously and that was it B1M? The B1M, yes. Why don't you quickly explain what that is? Okay. Um, Yeah, the B1M is a not-for-profit venture, which is set up by Fred Mills and Tom Payne. Um, And uh, I think Fred Mills was on the BIM 2020 first group of young professionals looking at um, what the construction industry would be like in in uh, 2050, sorry, BIM Mm -hmm. 2050. Um, And he he and Tom set up this not-for-profit. And the idea is... The B1M is the BIM 1 million, to have a million people watching videos about BIM um, because BIM is so important to the future of the construction industry. And they and, and b- video, because video is so incredibly powerful, mm. YouTube being the, you know, the second largest search engine owned by Google, you know, all those bloggers, uh, vloggers, as they're called, yeah. all these young people doing it in their back bedrooms. Um, it's extremely powerful and it's taking over um, from a, on a media point uh, perspective, from lots of other forms of media, um, so that video and BIM, and then um, Fred approached me and said, "Well, would you be interested in making some videos about social media and BIM?" Um, and I was very interested because I'm interested in video as a platform. I hadn't really used it before. I'd done a few screencasts, um, and uh, and so we developed uh, the idea that that we'd make some very short videos. They're sort of three to five minutes, I think. Um, they're about BIM and social media, um, and uh, and we've done sort of two series. We did four in May, and they were about what social media is, social media and AEC. Um, so they architecture, um, engineering, construction, social media and BIM. How can social media help the BIM workflow process? Sorry, Mm. bang the microphone. (laughs) And and how can social media help the process of design? And we did a lot about 
consultation and different software that you can use. And then um, and then the last four that we did, which we which were done in August and September, um, are all about um, social media BIM and collaborative working and what collaborative working is, genuine uh, collaborative working, why it isn't happening and how we as individuals can do small things to make it better. Um, and um, that one evolved out of the conversations that happened after the first one. Um, and it's really good. I think the the um, one of the videos had over 700 views so far, which I'm yeah. really impressed with. Um, the, the B1M channel on YouTube, and they also have a website, um, has loads and loads of yeah. um, videos, and they're all made effectively for free. They're either um, made for free, everyone does everything for free, or there's some sponsorship, mm -hmm. which is very carefully done, and it's not um, intrusive. They're getting support. They've got a bit of investment to help them. Um, and, they, um, and they're also doing things like the BIM University. So they're getting together with uh, universities and um, people who are specialists in BIM, doing seminars that are available. I think they're attending the seminars free. Then it gets videoed and put on the B1M and you can watch it for free. Yeah. So you can learn about BIM properly for free and go to classes, if mm. you like, um, and learn about BIM. And that's really important because, um, because it's a, a very different way of thinking about building it requires us to change the way that we work as professionals, mm. break down silos and um, and be more collaborative generally. Um, there's a lot of misinformation about it. There are a lot of people who know virtually nothing about BIM and, uh, and a small group of people who know a lot. So video is just perfect for yeah. sharing those ideas. Because one, one, one of the interesting things you said was... Um, uh, this is to kind of big companies who don't have a Twitter account, is that they mm. cannot be on Twitter, that's fine, but people will be having conversations yes. about them, irrespective of if Even if they're not, not there, yes. Which kind of means you have to engage. It's better to be able to steer it or at least funnel it somehow than just let it free in the background. It's the same with BIM. I think I, I was very much in this mindset before coming at Make. I was like, I, I don't get it. It's, it's not what I want to do. It's, it's, it's too much information. And then now I've been here and I've understood how buildings are built it's 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 happening all around you kind of the the kind of surface of architecture is moving and you just bim is going to happen and it's it's great to finally have a kind of a portal of information i thought that mm. i didn't feel like i was getting a hard sell from like revit or ecosim where you go on their videos and obviously they do a skyscraper in five minutes and they do it whereas these mm. ones were this is why i like this podcast and this format of a constant chat without any editing is i feel you learn more by having by kind of sounding each other out. Yes. And the nice thing about the BIM videos were, they were just questions that I wanted, why use BIM? How, how is social media good for BIM and stuff? Mm. And I think, you know, we could have a whole other podcast about it. So if I think, so it's B1M. And yes, so that end, the uh, B1M, yeah. The B1M, that's it. I should get you to have Fred in. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. Fred Mills, yes. Yeah, so I think what I want to do is, I think uh, for my podcast, I was going to keep it to 10, and then that would be a series, and then I mm -hmm. could stop take stock of what I've done yes and then I could carry on but we'll, we'll, we've gone well over the hour mark so I'm going to answer now but one of the nice things I want to ask you is in my head I've said right 10 podcasts and then a break how on social media do you ever go right for two weeks I'm just I can't 
I've I've got to go on holiday or I've got to get away. Do you, do you have moments? Because you're always online, right? It's it's quite mm. it's always there. And like you're playing with your phone on you, you must be a nightmare with just constantly being on like <laughs> it's an illusion caused by technology. Oh, yeah, I'm not always there. There are times when I'm not there, so I'm not usually there between uh, between the hours of about half past six and half past eight every night. I'm not there, um, with some exceptions. Um, but you do uh, limit it, yourself. I you, do. You do very specifically say yes. work time is Twitter time and then home time is. Uh, no, but I'm, I am married to someone who doesn't have any social media at all and doesn't like it. So I have to. <laughs> that must be enlightening. Well, I'm obsessed. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't take my phone to bed. Oh, no. Um, and uh, actually, I think it's, it's extremely healthy to have a break. Mm. Um, and uh, there are things that I do which are not work. So, you know, I do a lot of walking these days. I've lost a lot of weight by walking, which is great. Um, and I go out for walks and I see beautiful photo, uh, pictures. You know, I see beautiful scenery. I take pictures of it and I tweet the pictures just because I think they're so beautiful and I want to share them. Yeah. But it's not work. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's optional. Because I am obsessed on my phone and my wife's like, right, put your phone mm. down. <laughs> because, yeah. like, because especially because of, um, you've obviously kind of, kind of over the last, what, since 2008, kind of grown used to Twitter and stuff. Whereas mm. uh, having like well, followers and people like include you on Twitter and people talk about your podcast, it's really exciting. You know, when yes, people mention you want to be there all the yeah, time. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And then suddenly when no one's talking, you're like, oh. <laughs> oh no everyone's forgotten oh no someone's mentioned me again but it's kind of I guess it's getting used to that uh, you know finding a yeah. middle ground where yes. you're and obsessed with it <laughs> and realising that you have to um, that it is um, I've read a post ages ago about it being stretchy and sticky um, it's stretchy because it stretches time and conversations can last over weeks so if somebody tweets you unless it's urgent it'll wait until tomorrow it's fine yeah. um, and uh, and that's actually quite a good thing because then you can start up again and other people will be around because it's a different time of the day um, and it's also sticky because you know people favourite things um, I've had people favourite things from years ago sometimes they're bots obviously and you can tell that they're you know they're just trying to get you to follow them back yeah. but uh, sometimes they're real people um, and I've had people retweet things that I said years ago and they've come up and I've thought oh god did I say that all that time ago <laughs> um, so so it's uh, it's both you know it's it's not real time we feel we might feel the urgency mm. and there are times when it's urgent you know you want to be watching question time and shouting at the telly and tweeting mm -hmm. about it but um, and those things you need to do in real time but most of it you don't have to do in real time and and uh, unless you're you know a company and you need to listen out for people saying things and then it's your job to do that um so that's fine um so it's uh, it's a bit of an illusion, and yeah. so so be kind to yourself and your wife, yeah, we'll <laughs> and leave the phone downstairs. And um, if you're watching TV together, don't have your phone on either. That probably won't ever happen. I will, <laughs> I will try. I will try. So, so what's next? What what can people find you doing in over the next couple of months? Then? Oh gosh, well it's conference season. So, um, so I'm uh, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I'm going to the um, FIS, which are the Federation of Interior Specialists. They're the sort of fit out people, although you're not supposed to say fit out, but um, they're specialist interior companies and product manufacturers. I'm live blogging their event. I'm going there as a delegate as well. So I'll also be at UK Construction Week in Birmingham, um, and uh, I've got. Uh, doing quite a lot of training people's sales teams so i probably won't be tweeting about that um uh, i'm having a break from making social bim videos with the b1m so we're trying to start thinking about what we might do next 
Um, so I'd be interested to hear if people have ideas. You know, mm. what should what sort of BIM social media type of thing, collaborative, all that stuff should we be making videos about? And what what videos should the B1M be making yeah. as well? Because I think um, they're always keen to hear from other people. Well, I think that part's really exciting. I'm mm. curious to see what they do because BIM is still so misunderstood i really i yes everyone has their own interpretation and opinion of what it is and yeah that's why i like the b1m thing I yeah think if uh, some more videos would be great yeah it would right well thank you so much we've gone well over the hour mark and uh, <laughs> that's been really interesting thank you no, it's my pleasure thank you very much <laughs> well there you go that was episode eight of the create more podcast with sue butcher um yeah i i i've spent a lot of today researching that and uh, well, not just today, quite a few weeks actually. I do do a bit of in-depth research. Um, but today I did a lot of chatting around when people heard I was interviewing Sue and a lot of people have heard of her and uh, some people even seen us talk and stuff. Um, yeah, it was really um, interesting to hear everyone has a different kind of take and a view on how to use Twitter. And I don't mean... Um, you know, just getting followers or likes or something, but like genuinely engaging with it. Um, I mentioned in the podcast that one of my colleagues had kind of got work off the back of using Twitter by constantly monitoring people's Twitter accounts in Oxford and stuff, as in like counsellors and the heritage and society and things. And that was really eye-opening. Kind of the first time I'd really seen, you know, direct evidence of uh, Twitter being helpful. But... I guess, as we say in the podcast, I mean, there are there's a genuine fear of saying something really stupid on Twitter uh, and then getting called up on it. I mean, when I interviewed uh, Scroobius Pip, I know that he's got into many, many, many arguments with people on Twitter. But do you know what? Because he fiercely defends his position and believes in what he says, uh, I'm sure he's made the odd drunk one by accident, but um, uh, he... His brand is himself. So he's kind of, well, one in a more unique position that, um, you know, his personality is his brand and therefore he can't be wrong because it's his opinion. Um, but because he dukes it out on Twitter, it's what one, it's really entertaining and Instagram and stuff. And that's why he has so many followers because he really does engage. I mean, every day he's on it chatting to people and stuff. And, you know, he's built up 100,000 followers. And I think if you get to that level... You really have to kind of, one, be in the public eye and to really engage with it. But um, on the flip side, my God, someone showed me an article today about a woman who, I won't repeat what she said, but uh, she made a slightly racist joke to her friend uh, before she boarded a flight to South Africa. Um, didn't think anything of it. Uh had a hundred followers or something. Uh, and eight hours later, her tweet had gone viral. Uh, some news reporters had picked it up. Uh, it had been retweeted over a million times by the time she landed. Uh, and by the time she landed, she'd been fired and was front page news and the most trending topic on Twitter in the world. Um, so yeah, you know, there are the occasional horror stories to listen to, but, um, I do think that having done this podcast, you know, I, I I haven't ran a project myself that has a huge amount of kind of public like thought and interest behind it. So why would I be aware of these kind of bigger Twitter things? But that was always the goal of this podcast was to was to find out, you know, how these things are done, you know, like how how to what how to self promote yourself without being really bloody annoying uh, and just people unfollowing you. I'm I'm kind of still working that out, you know. 
I know a lot of people of my friends on Facebook unfollow me because all I ever do is bang on about the podcast and how many listeners I've got and how I've done this. And it's been an interesting kind of tool in that respect. And if you're still listening, it means you quite enjoy these bits at the end. Um, so this is episode number eight, and I've decided to round up this. I'm going to call this series one. Um and we're going to round it up with episode 10. So this is uh, this is episode 8. So we've got episode 9 and episode 10 still to go. And um, I didn't even mention in episode 7 that uh, I'd be interviewing Sue. And that's because uh, kind of few, quite a few people got shifted around. So uh, episode 8 is definitely books, definitely happening. It is Chris from Studio Octopi. And we're talking all about... Um, Kickstarter campaigns and how architects or really anyone can start a Kickstarter campaign. They're doing a Kickstarter campaign to do a floating swimming pool in the Thames, which is the coolest idea because uh, I wanted to do something not quite as cool as that, but something very similar with the Thames in my part, in my sixth year project. So it's really dear to my heart. He's a really interesting guy. And I, I love the idea of kind of using... As Alistair Parvin said, a million people with one pound, not uh, one person with a million pounds. So... That'd be really good. So that's episode nine. And then the last episode, episode 10, I haven't quite booked this yet, so a bit tentative, but Victoria Thornton, who runs Open City, um, she has uh, agreed in principle to sit down with me. And I really want that to kind of be the end. That'll be episode 10. And um, yeah, I, I've i learned more than I ever possibly could have imagined and kind of experienced more about this podcast. So um, thank you so much for listening. And I've had way more listeners than I thought I would and it kind of kind of slightly freaks me out that I know so many people listen to the podcast now but all of you apart from a few of my very close friends who would rip me for anything have been really really nice about it so I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast and uh, tune in for next Fortnite's podcast because I think it'll be a really good one thank you so much for listening bye <laughs>